Hello, I am Tyler Esselman. And I am Michael Osinski. And you are listening to This One Goes to Eleven. This One Goes to Eleven. It's our podcast. It's our podcast where we invite someone to share an album with us, an album of music, usually, that they Mm -hmm. believe is perfect. So perfect, in fact, Michael, that 10 out of 10 just isn't good enough. It is not, and it will never be. Season 5, episode 2, and it's still not good enough, so... We're just going to keep rolling with that. Um, yeah, we, we, got, we got ourselves a concept. We're going to stick with it. <laughs> we do. Uh, this one uh, has been a long time coming. Uh, really a um, a formative figure in my life and uh, somebody who I have great love for and uh, somebody who is a dear friend of the pod who I'm pretty sure is one of our regular listeners. I'm sure he's listened to just about every episode. And, um, and who are we talking to today? We're talking to, uh, I believe, maybe twice runner up in our online contest, uh, <laughs> Doug Morell. Who's Doug? Doug? Who's 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 Mr. M, Tyler? Doug Morell, Mr. Morell to me, that is. Um, Mr. Morell is, as we talk about in the episode, he is the father of one of my best friends, Andrew Morell, former um, guest on the pod. Uh, and he is uh, one heck of a guy. He wrote us an excellent bio. And he wrote it in the first person. And I, I think I just, it's worth reading in the first person just because of how clear his voice is. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to take on the role of Mr. Morell here. Uh, right, go, go for it. You, you've, I, got, you've got acting chops. I did go to acting school. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you can you can do that. Do you need to do any vocal warm-ups? <laughs> um, um, okay. Okay. I spent my formative years in upstate New York, near Syracuse, with five siblings. My father was a physician, but I think he would have rather been a musician. We were raised on a steady diet of classical music. I started out on piano and had probably six years of lessons, hated it, and now regret hating it. In middle school, my piano teacher quit. Was it me? Probably the happiest day of my life to that point. And I had already taken up the baritone horn in the school concert band. We did no marching band and did well with it, despite its frumpy connotation. I also played trombone, valve trombone that is, in the jazz band and really enjoyed that too. After hearing Switched On Bach, which, spoiler alert, that's the album we're talking about, I was hooked on synthesizers. I would seek out recordings which featured synths, which led me into the worlds of world of jazz rock fusion and prog rock, which later expanded into big band and straight ahead jazz. Current interests are working, my, working on my 50-year-old car, a Volvo named Tang, as well as my newer cars, also Volvos. Cycling, photography, drone flying, and travel. Professionally, I am a partner in a small consulting firm in the healthcare IT space. He does a lot of stuff. He's he's a hobbyist, <laughs> and um, and uh, Mr. Morell, Doug Morell rules. It's a great episode. Yeah, this is, and I had, I guess I had heard of this album before, but had never actually heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dear listeners, just a couple quick things. First of all, you will know this album is not available on Spotify, so we're going to share a few little clips of it with you during the episode. Um, also. Maybe you won't be able to tell, but like we had to record things a little bit differently this time. Yeah. So if something sounds a little funny, just know that we're we're okay and it's all gonna be okay. <laughs> and just know all. that it's my fault. It's not, don't 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 blame yourself. <laughs> don't blame don't blame yourself for a like multimedia conglomerate that is like creating a monopoly in this country and making it difficult for all of us to access internet without paying an arm and a leg. It looks pretty good from our soapboxes, Michael. <sighs> god anyway all right all right we should just just to get to the episode right let's talk to mr morell all right here we go doug morell welcome to this one goes to 11 well thanks thanks for having me uh it has been it has been a, a a highly anticipated guest appearance yours you have been among our most active i guess we could say participants in the online discourse uh, uh surrounding this podcast so you, you're you're an essential part of the this one goes to 11 ecosystem mr m well and tyler you're easy to talk to so i guess that's that's part of it right oh well thank you thank you you've, you've always been the same you've always been the same but uh no i i enjoy what you guys do it's it's interesting i can't say i always like all the all the uh albums people talk about but hey that's, yeah that's life right i mean you're not supposed to genuinely I, yeah, and I'm I'm sure people will tune in and see me, and maybe head for the exit right uh, right off the bat. I, I don't know. Hey, some people see our names on the Spotify uh, page, and they say, well, "You know, I've had about enough of them." So <laughs> we'll just we'll just peace yeah. out. Yeah, we've 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 had some complaints. 
<laughs> official letters you you would have no you have no idea the lengths to which people will go to complain about us it's official letters with postage and everything i don't know wow. how they found my address wow <laughs> well you get the letter from the fcc then i guess you know you're in trouble that's it that's the one we're waiting for that one fingers crossed i kind of yeah i think that'll give us some cred though that's the thing thank you so much for for coming on and coming before that this one goes to 11 tribunal we're getting gonna, we're gonna get real serious this season mr m it's gonna be really um really high standards and i hope you came prepared uh, i need so, a towel i'm getting to start to sweat already <laughs> well it's the humidity there in st louis the hot lamps are on <laughs> that's true <laughs> so why don't you tell us what album hath thou brought before the this one goes to 11 tribunal today I have brought the, the, the groundbreaking landmark album by Wendy Carlos called Switched on Bach. Switched on Bach. That's uh, hyphenated switched on uh, for That's those of correct. you who are just um, who are just listening to this and not looking at the album cover. Uh, rather, rather um, whimsical, fun album cover, by the way. This I think that really adds to the um Adds to the package. I, yeah, I yeah. That. There's there's a lot of mystique on the a lot of mystery, I should say, with the with the album cover. In in uh, uh, colloquially, I think the the album is is referred to as SOB. You know, so we can SOB, right? We can <laughs> refer to it as SOB if you want to. Look I've been referred to that too. I've been referred <laughs> yeah. to as that. All right, so. we, we don't want to confuse anyone. But <laughs> um, um, anyway, ten, ten thousand points. <laughs> but the first album cover that came out. Bach was sitting on this piano bench in kind of a with a tortured look on his face. And it was referred to as as uh, shitting Bach or crapping Bach. The artist didn't like that cover. So it was pulled after a month or two. Mm-hmm. And then this other picture was used with standing Bach. Wasn't also uh, didn't Wendy Carlos not like the cover because also the way on the first cover, the way that the synthesizer was plugged in, it wasn't actually plugged in like it wouldn't have been playing anything. That, that's right. Yeah, like the the headphones were plugged into some uh, oscillator jack or something like that, and the uh, <laughs> and there was no output uh, possible whatsoever. I don't even think the power cord was plugged in, so it was kind of a sloppy uh, rendition. Of course, they uh, she and and the other uh, her collaborator uh, Rachel Elkind uh, mm-hmm. weren't weren't even present during the photo shoot. I think so. That's that's how you know things like that happen. It, I want I want you to also uh, before we get into um, everyone's favorite segment, uh, which will be um, which Michael will be doing today. Um, I want you to help us put to put to bed an argument, not really an argument, more of a back and forth about the pronunciation of pronunciation of the name of the synthesizer. Do you yeah. say Moog or do you say Moog? Well, I, yeah, and actually, I figured we'd cover that too. Um, yes, it is Moog. Long Moog. O. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we all said Moog back in the day because we didn't really know any better. But yeah, it is it is Moog. Well, Doug, before we get too far and before you share too much information with us, we got to give our, <laughs> we got to make sure our listeners know what's going on here. Um, and so uh, we have to take a few seconds, sixty to be precise, uh, for a little segment that I have been told by many people. Well, not many people, by one person many times is <laughs> everyone's favorite segment, and that is a beginner's guide to Wendy Carlos's switched on Bach in sixty seconds. I'll deliver it. Tyler's going to time me. Doug, you're going to evaluate how I do. You feel uh, up to the task? Yes, I, I really look forward to it. All right. Yeah, you, <laughs> you relish the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Tyler, are you ready? I am. 60 seconds around the clock. We're starting in three, two, one. Electronic music pioneer Wendy Carlos grew up in Rhode Island and developed her music chops at Brown and Columbia before working as a freelance composer for TV adverts. In 1964, she met a man by the name of Moog, Robert Moog, and played a key role in developing the Moog synthesizer. Soon, she was making music full-time, and in 1968, she released the album Switched On Bach, a collection of 12 songs by Baroque composer J.S. Bach, played on the Moog, with the hope of showing the public that electronic music isn't all that dark and heavy. The result... It reached number 10 on the Billboard Albums chart. It was the number one classical album for almost three years straight. And in 1970, it won three Grammys, making Carlos the first transgender artist to win the coveted award. Though she'd much prefer you focus on the music than on her gender. If you haven't heard this album, which is very possible because she hasn't released it for streaming, you may recognize her work from the films A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, Tron, and most recently, Ready Player One. And while music is her main jam, she also makes visual art, and she's quite fond of cats and eclipses. Ooh, there it is. 
All right. Yeah, sexy. I, 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 I do my, I do my homework. <laughs> wow. So Mr. M, how did he do? Yeah. How did, I, how did, you know, how did he do as a, as a, as a effort of, of synthesizing the work oh. of Wendy Carlos, if you will. Oh, that was, that was smooth. <laughs> was it, was it though? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being nice. Um, <laughs> well, I, it was, it was excellent. I mean, you really were able to pack in a lot more than I thought you would mm-hmm. in 60 seconds and, and partly maybe because you were speaking so fast, but um, <laughs> I would, I would, say you know i'd say that this is definitely like a solid a a minus the only thing that i might say enhance with is is back back at the beginning moog had already developed the synthesizer but it 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 didn't really have a keyboard um it it wasn't very accessible for musicians and it wasn't very easy and uh and other companies had actually electronic music devices that were very large so she did approach him about doing something more musician friendly and mm-hmm. uh, and they started to collaborate in the say like 65 or so and that's kind of how that but they you know that's that's kind of getting nitpicky i think um, <laughs> well an a minus is pretty damn good i gotta say i, I no it's it's uh, that's really good um and uh yeah so it's 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 a, a groundbreaking album for you know all the reasons you mentioned and 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 more i mean mm-hmm. even uh, i think as we go through this, I hope to convey that to your listeners that while they may not think they're that interested in this album, it, it to this day has a huge impact in just about everything that you may hear in the music world, uh, you know, in any genre. So yeah. um, it's um, it just it just busted the door wide open for the uh, the use of electronics in the in the musical recording side of the yes. world. Oh my gosh. Great. Well, we got an A minus on the board. Strong start. Strong start to your case because that will contribute to your case um, ultimately for this album's perfection. But before we get more into the album, let's talk about you, Mr. Morell. And I'm and I'm just gonna call you Mr. Morell, because I've always called you Mr. Morell. Okay. And I can't in good conscience call you Doug. I don't know. I just well- do you do you need to tell your listeners why you're calling me? Mr. Yeah, Morell I call. Or? I'm calling him Mr. Morell because because Doug Morell is the father of one of my my best good friends in my entire life, Andrew Morell, friend of the pod, who you might have heard talk about uh, a one Wu Tang Clan album a couple seasons ago um, to great effect, I might add. But so I've I've just I've known you since I was 13, so I I, I kind of just have to call you Mr. Morell. No, that's okay. That's what we're going to go with. That's what we're going to go with. But let's talk about you. So I want to, you know, as as you know, as somebody who listens to the uh, the podcast, we like to open up this conversation by talking about your relationship with music. What role does it play in your life on a day to day basis and throughout the course of your life? Well, that's a that's a big question. Um, yeah. I don't know, do we have like thirty extra minutes? Uh, <laughs> of course we do. To, to get through that, no. Um, <laughs> It's it's uh, yeah music yeah music is is fundamental to uh, to so many aspects of my life and really has been for a, a long time. I, I I came from I guess you'd call it a musical family or at least I I had a a musical parent in the form of my father who was a um, a you know classically trained in uh, several things the the pipe organ or, or organ um he sang he played trumpet etc and uh it, you know my parents decided uh, i guess early on that uh, you know the way they were going to raise their children was that everybody each of the children and there were six of us it was the brady bunch truly uh we just didn't have alice um <laughs> We um, we all had to take a musical instrument. We had to have a musical instrument of study. And uh, my father was big in the uh, music scene locally in Syracuse as far as uh, just kind of in the going to the symphony. Uh, they had season tickets for the Syracuse Symphony. Um, he was the replacement organist for the organ. He uh, was a benefactor to the local classical music station, knew all the, knew all the musicians in town and so on. As, as such, we and then we then he he was actually a physician. I, sh- I should add, he was you know a physician with a lot of hobbies, in which music was his, his biggest one. But you know he he built his his show place home that had that was centered all around the uh, the organ in the house. So three 
three keyboard, three manual organ with a cathedral ceiling in the living room. And, you know, it was a big kind of a, a huge room, let's just say 20 foot ceiling. So we'd have people over at parties, that kind of thing. Music was always central. He was always educating about music. Like, you know, you got to listen to this piece. I think he bored a lot of his friends to death. Um, <laughs> with with some of that stuff but uh you know and he tried to educate us as, as well as as kids well you had and, you, he had you had to let him bore you i guess that was uh, yeah, that's the had, lot of had, the child is to is we to had no, yeah you know, that's, be bored. that's right <laughs> um and we were also not allowed to touch his stereo okay that's uh oh geez he, yeah <laughs> that's, that sounds uh, until until we got older but um uh anyways um i i do vaguely remember when switched on Bach came out because it, mm -hmm. it was uh, it created obviously quite a stir in the classical world and um, I can remember him playing it at home on the stereo as kind of a novelty uh, thing to uh, you know when we have a party or people come over you say hey you got to listen to this you know he throws he'd throw on some of the switched on Bach I, I'm not sure though that that he really liked it that much it was more hmm. kind of you know like topic of conversation because i i think it kind of it it tapered off at least interest-wise with him but it really triggered my interest in in electronic music i, you know, I found it fascinating and I, I think it was the you know like just been looking at the cover i was like wow that that looks really cool because here hmm. i am taking piano lessons on on a you know a regular piano you know uh, a nice piano, but a regular piano. But look, look what I could, you know, look at this keyboard with all these dials and chords. You know, this, this looks, looks really cool. So, you know, I just kind of got interested in that kind of stuff. And I, um, I, when he was at home, I would play that album mm -hmm. on his stereo with headphones on. And when you do that, when you listen to this album with headphones, which I would really, really encourage with a good, decent set of headphones to, the the recording quality is just just superb and oh, yeah. uh, it, just the the engineering of it and the sound balancing and the way that uh, the different voices are highlighted and and uh, it, it just comes through really really well so later on in in life when i was able to afford to buy my own albums i would i would buy the the uh the additional albums that wendy carlos put out like the and there's uh as Michael mentioned, there's the soundtrack albums, but there's also she just switched on Bach two, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. in many ways even better because of course they had better engineering uh, capabilities. Like I don't know if it was five or six years later, and and she did a few other uh, classical pieces, uh, classical interpretations, I should say. Plus, a lot of other people jumped on her bandwagon with other classical interpretations uh, on on the Moog or other brand of, of synthesizers. So I have those albums as well. And uh, there's there's uh, there's a album called uh, The Moog Strikes Bach. There's one called Switched on Rock. Which, yes. uh, you know, so it just kind of snowballed that way with people trying to kind of like cash in on what was going on, the, the phenomena. But uh, but back to, yeah, back to your original question. Yeah. So music, uh, you know, high school band, we, we did that. I, I lost interest in the piano. Um, I mean, I, I had an interest. I mean, it was a lot of aspects of it. You know, who likes to practice, right? It, mm -hmm. it wasn't, uh, I think the happiest day of my life was when the piano teacher called and said she wasn't going to do lessons anymore. <laughs> she was taking a position as a music teacher at the school. Um, 900 points to your teacher for, for quitting on you. It sounds like it was a gift. <laughs> that's right. So I mean, that's, that's the frustrating thing, right? When you're young and you're trying to be social and develop yourself as a social individual and you're like, or I could stay inside for an hour and a half and practice piano by myself and not develop social skills. So there's I mean, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So it was, um, it, it, the, 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 I guess I should say the door was opened with with switched on Bach, yeah. And and my interest and fascination with with uh, with synthesizers. At at one point, one of my younger brothers was taking music lessons, and he came home and he said, "Well, they got something thing down there called a synthesizer." Uh, so I went down to the music store and saw that they actually had a uh, what was then new, uh, the mini mode, which mm -hmm. was the transformational 
instrument as far as rock music went and, and uh, jazz, uh, jazz fusion. Matter of fact, I have right here, I haven't thrown it out yet. This is a, a 2020 calendar. 2020 was the 50th <laughs> anniversary of the Mini Moog. And, and Moog put out this really nice calendar of all the different histories. And my daughter, Amanda, got me that for Christmas. And of course, it's 2023, and I still got it hanging up on my wall. Um, <laughs> 3,000 points to Amanda for giving you that as a Christmas gift. That is excellent gift-giving prowess. So I remember coming home from that music store and, and saying to my father, Dad, they got a mini Moog down there. We got to buy one. Yeah. It, it looks cool. You know, I, I, I play it. I'll learn how to play it. it he's like, ah, what do you want that for? That's that's nothing. That's just a toy. And it's a $5,000 toy at that. You know, it's pretty damn Oof. expensive. Damn. Um, In so, 1970 dollars, that's 5000 That's a, That's a whole lot of money. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole lot of money. So needless to say, we did not get one. I mean, I, you know, I think he may have said something to the effect of, "Look, I got this huge organ here with a, with 500 sounds on it. What what do you want to play with that for? You know, <laughs> right. and, you know, with three keyboards and a and a, and a foot, you know, pedal board. And uh, oh boy, you know, well, all right. So that that never happened. That kind of frustrates me. So I kind of just lived through the vicariously through the albums that I would buy. Okay. Did you ever you try know, to make them yourself? Do you ever t- were you were you that kind of kid? Were you were you tinkering? Were you, I, sod- were you a soldering kid? You you strike I, me as somebody well, who soldered. Yeah, it's funny you say that because yeah, my father was my father was into the the Heath kit world. If you're familiar with those things, a little bit. Um, they're uh, they were electronic kits that you could buy. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, radios, TVs, uh, mm-hmm. clocks, all, all kinds of stuff, even stereos, and and, and very great step by step instruction booklets. Um, and yes, I got into that. I was uh, I was soldering away and following. I made uh, like a home equal, a stereo equalizer, and uh, I still have a, a a clock. It's actually I'm not using it, but I have an electronic digital readout clock. But wow, yes, there there was a not through Heathkit, but there was a build your own kind of uh, synthesizer with a small keyboard that you could buy, and that, I did see that in high school. I was very very tempted, but. Um, I didn't pull a trigger on that either. So, you know, it's never too late. You could do it now. <laughs> yeah. right. So, I mean, was was electronic music your main jam at that time? Because I'm just looking at the other albums that you suggested to us when you sent us your list, and they they don't they don't quite match this album. And I'm wondering, <laughs> like, is like what were were you listening to? electronic music a lot or were you listening to lots of different things at the time i was yeah i was listening to you know after kind of after the electronic classical music stuff ran its course into the mid you know say it's like 73 74 and then i was buying albums i i would really focus on uh usually um uh instrumental groups mm-hmm which which led me into the jazz fusion world really heavy but instrumental stuff and that would feature you know good keyboard work especially you know mini moog work so yeah um a lot of chick korea return to forever um hell yeah a lot of uh jan hammer or, or uh, mahavishnu uh orchestra and that's then, so uh, rad yep 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 and um <laughs> you know it's like if and then i really got into the you know, looking at the way uh, in the jazz world that the musicians would play on each other's albums or other people's albums. So, you know, right. if I was in like, uh, you know, like Stanley Clark, well, here's Stanley over here on this album. Let's go get that album. It takes me down another another branch, you know, of a yeah. different artist. So and then it was there was a lot of the uh, British oriented prog rock stuff that I uh, uh, kind of fell in with, you know, the intricate keyboard stuff, even piano stuff. I, I was into Renaissance. I don't know if you ever listened to Renaissance before, the old vintage Renaissance. It's a I haven't. very mm-hmm. classically styled uh, British rock. It's it's like Genesis, but not quite like extreme or, uh, okay. you know, off on the fringe as the early Genesis was. Um, yeah, you just have to listen to a few. Yeah, I can give you some things to look at later. So yeah, that's the that's my musical um, forays. Um, you know, then Pat Metheny and the the Steely Dan came up when I was a freshman in college when Asia was was big. I, I should just tell you this one little anecdote. You, it's just a kind of a nostalgic thing, or and, and you'll think, geez, 
you guys are really backwards back then. You had to do that. <laughs> but uh, where I went to school in Atlanta at, at Georgia Tech, um, yeah. in the student, student center or student union, you might call it, they had what they called a music listening room. And this, this was like my home away from home in college because what they had was a, a, a large room um, with a counter. Uh, and behind the counter, they had essentially what is a DJ. Mm. And, and they had different uh, stations around the room with chairs at them. And they'd issue you a set of headphones, turn in your, in your ID, get a set of headphones. And um, the DJ would pull up whatever album you wanted. And they had, you know, banks and banks. They probably had two two thousand albums there. Oh, I love that. Um, and you'd go plug in at your at where you're sitting there, and uh, uh, they would they would play the album. So I, I spent a lot of time there listening to Asia. Um, just fascinated with that recording, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, we could talk about that another time. <laughs> we could also t- we could also talk about the fact that you went to school in Athens, Georgia. You know, music music well, 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 capital. <laughs> time out. No, not Athens. No, was it not Athens? No, no, Atlanta. It, Athens. Oh, it was in Atlanta. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, my, our our tribals are in Athens, so I can't, I can't. Uh, oh, that's right, that's right. I'm sorry. Let that go uncorrected. But yes, uh, <laughs> right. I was uh, at, at at Georgia Tech. I was on the uh, the student uh, concert committee, so we were in charge of bringing in the acts to perform. And then when the acts do come in, we function as roadies, which is geez, they no pay. <laughs> Right. All that stuff around. But anyways, uh, yeah, so a lot of stuff came out of Athens. Um, it did. I, was, I, I, I and I, I apologize to all my uh, to all my uh, Georgia, all to my all my Georgia, Georgia connected people. Um, I, yeah, I, I well, should that, not. That's all right. We don't want to open up a lot of <laughs> college robberies now, but tribalism. Um, yeah. But the, the funny thing uh, on, on the committee, one of our guys had a girlfriend in Athens and she went to the University of Georgia, which, you know, we, you know, mm-hmm. he had our condolences. But uh, he came back to, from Athens on a, after a weekend trip to one of our committee mates. He says, oh, guys, I just saw the greatest band. We got to get them down here to play for us. You know, they are just the greatest, greatest thing in the world. And we're like, yeah, who, who's that? And he says, they're, all, they're, they're called R.E.M. We're like. Oh, that's a stupid name. <laughs> it is a stupid name, <laughs> to be fair. And we're not getting any Athens bands down here. We're not getting a bunch of University of Georgia people coming down here. No, well, we're not. We're not hiring them. But uh, we passed an opportunity, probably, to get in on the ground floor with with REM. Uh, um, but at least you get seven thousand points for that right now on this podcast, at the very least, <laughs> for sticking to your principles. That, that's that's right. They're a band. I mean, when I hear when I hear them, I immediately think, and maybe it's because of all the like music journalism I've read and everything I've heard. I feel like I when I hear REM, I think immediately college rock, like yeah, whatever yeah. that means. And we talk about genre all the time on this podcast and how meaningless it is. But like that's always what sticks out to me. That like almost like they're kind of the beginning. They're not really, I would say, the beginning of like the indie movement, but yeah. the sort yeah. of like indie sound. I guess is, I feel like REM is kind of the the band that absolutely that kicked that off i guess yeah yeah they were definitely a bar band out of athens that was their that was their thing and they probably even played the fraternities up there uh, at the yeah. time you know just to gig um i love that uh, it's one of and, my favorite stories of you is, is, it's one of my favorite stories that you turned them down i, I think yeah. about, I, I closely associate that with you <laughs> so i'll give you 1500 more points for just being being present in the musical hotbed of georgia at that time that's a feather. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I was fortunate that the the dorm I lived in, and I was a a dorm dog, and I I proudly say that I, uh, but I was able to live on campus because yeah, it was close to the music scene. I had just like a three or four block walk to get to one of the best clubs in town, kind of like uh, Tyler. You would know here in St. Louis, the Pageant. Yep. Uh, it was about great the venue. same size and equivalent to the Pageant. I saw some really great stuff coming through um coming through there we also had right across the street from that or down the down the block from the pageant or not the pageant it's called the agora ballroom but down the block hmm. was the fox theater which is you know it's even bigger than the st louis fox theater so there was oh great there was always good good stuff coming through there 
So we've uh, let's let's return a little bit to the album that we're here to talk about today, uh, which and we have to do this one a little bit differently than the way we usually do this, because, uh, as I mentioned before, Wendy Carlos has not released pretty much any of her music aside from some of the stuff from soundtracks. Uh, She hasn't released any of it for streaming. Uh, And so what we're going to do this time instead uh, is uh, talk about a couple standout tracks that you uh, you mentioned to us. Uh, we've got one we want to talk about briefly and we're going to like for our listeners we're going to play like just a little snippet of the of the song for them but maybe you can touch on uh, how each of these tracks like strikes you or uh, you know how when you first heard it what the experience was like or you know basically whatever you want to say about the track just to just to get people to sort of understand why the album was so significant and why these particular tracks are ones that might, might want to listen to. So the first one you you mentioned to us is uh, actually the opening track, which is uh, the S- Sinfonia, I believe you say it's Sinfonia, to Cantata number 29. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's have our listeners uh, give a little listen. This track and it's the first one the record opens if you're totally unfamiliar familiar with uh with a uh, uh, synthesizer sound which back in in the late 60s early 70s it, this was new stuff to a lot of people this would probably right off the bat just you know put your jaw on the floor or, you know yeah. just mm-hmm. really knock you back um, it's triumphant yeah it's very triumphant it's 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 bold um, you know, I would call it brassy if there were any brass, but of course it's not. Right. Um, it captures but, that though. It is brassy. I think that's the, that's the beauty yeah. of it. And it, uh, it, it just, it just has a lot of moving parts in it, which, which is, you know, really what Bach was famous for it, his, uh, nearly mathematical, uh, way that he constructed songs together. Yeah. The original um, math rock artist, everybody, J.S. Bach. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it it's with the 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 quality of the recording or the engineering quality, you can really hear everything. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. with this thing, you can hear all the parts, and it, it we probably should note, which we we haven't really said anything yet, is this recording was made in excuse me, Lindy Carlos's home. Yep. Yeah. On an eight track machine um, that she built herself. Right. Yeah, she yeah she built she assembled the pieces together with with uh, Bob Moog, and the other thing to note is that it, you know it's recorded on a keyboard, but back in those days, it was one note at a time. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> you you were let's playing... say that again. It was one note at a time. <laughs> was... That this was conceived, everyone. <laughs> that that's right. So and there's there's no digital storage of your setting. You know, no, <laughs> it's it's knobs and it right. wires like an old fashioned uh, phone uh, operator console. So if you found a sound that you like and you wanted to kind of bank it for, for later on, you had to stop and you had to get out your clipboard, I guess, and write down how yeah. all the different modules were set and the knobs and the wires and, and so on. And just hope you could get back to that sound again. I, um, I read actually that she didn't uh they said she didn't even need to make note of that because she got so good at it at a certain point that she was yeah. able to just change the settings herself yeah. and didn't even have to take any notes yeah that's just that's just amazing that and, uh, and I, that it also would consistently slide out of tune almost every oh after almost every note yeah, is, is yeah. something that i read yeah there was a yeah there was a perpetual tuning issues and I think they, I think they corrected that, you know, over time with just getting better uh, oscillators, uh, you know, sound generators out there that kind of, kind of work better. And dear, dear listeners, just so you know, uh, if you check out this episode and on our YouTube channel and the playlist, we are going to provide a link to a great interview that she did with the BBC, where she sort of explains how a synthesizer works. So if you're sort yeah. of if you're clueless in terms of what we're talking about here regarding knobs and buttons and and oscillators and whatnot, she explains it pretty well. I think very Although well. Part, yeah. part of it still goes over my head because there's only so much beeps and boops I can understand, but she's she's <laughs> she's got it all down. But it's amazing yeah. that she she kind of breaks it down to to the fundamental to the fundamental fundamental element, which is the wave of sound, right? Which yeah. is I, I think that 
she does a really great job expressing that in this short document. It's very, it's very short and, and she's very engaging. So definitely check it out. If you yeah. Can. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's true. It's, um, it, it's what's, what's kind of striking is that today you, you take all that for granted. Um, yeah. Um, you've got a, you've got electronic keyboard. Every band has at least one, probably five or whatever. And, and, and sampling, you know, is, is real big. So, so, oh, yeah. They, the the sounds are already stored digitally in memory, and all you got to do is push a button, and you can you can shape it, and you do certain effects with it certainly, but you you don't have to do anything to create that or build that build that sound. So so this this track, yeah, so it's it's a very uh, a very energetic piece, um, mm-hmm. lots of fanfare. It's got as like as like a lot of these tracks do. And, and since I'm a low brass player in the band, I kind of grab me both and Andrew. Yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. Baritones rule, right? Bar- baritones do rule. <laughs> we both played the euphonium and I bet we were great at it. We, we get, I'm going to give us 6,000 points, Mr. Murrow, for we, both yeah, playing the euphonium. I, yeah. I think we, yeah, we need points and, and I think we need like a, like a, a, a like a poker chip kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like yeah, little hats, a, little hats. Just cash in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we we had fun. We had fun, and then I played valve trombone in in jazz band because I could, you know, I didn't want to bother to learn how to With slide, slide that thing. Yeah. Oh. And Andrew, yeah. Andrew, Andrew Morell, one of the finest trombone players I've ever met. Very good job, trombone player. <laughs> yeah, God rest his soul. Oh wait, he's still living. <laughs> well, well, what about this? What about this second track, then, Michael? How about how about we talk a little bit about the track that you identified as um, sort of our standout, but for personal reasons for you, right? Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to talk about the third track on this album, which is two part of Invention in F Major. Let's let our mm-hmm. listeners uh, listen to just a little bit of that, and then we'll talk about it. So I chose this song because I actually played this song because I studied mm. piano for 13 years. So oh. you're talking about you you focus more on the brass. I mean, like this is um, there's there are two songs on this album that I actually played. That I, I chose this one because the other one I think there's something really strange with the recording of it. But I just I just remember it's there's something about you, know, you mentioned like how mathematical Bach is, and I think that something that I found unique when listening to this album. Is, is sort of the struggle that I think every piano teacher slash piano student, uh, well, there's several struggles when when you are going up against Bach. <laughs> One of them being, how do you make your hands do all those things? Because often he just has like five different voices running at the same time, but we only have two hands. But the other thing is that, you know, a lot of the a lot of times the pieces that Bach composed were for the clavichord or the harpsichord, which did not have dynamics really since they were stringed instruments they were plucked not you know not the way we think of like a violin or viola um but they were stringed instruments and you couldn't really control volume in any way and i think that you know i remember my piano teacher always encouraging me to like we we would add our own dynamics to things because she basically thought hey if bach were around today this is what he would do yeah but i think something that wendy does excellently on this album is since we can since we can play with dynamics like not only is everything so technically precise but there is also a musicality to Mm -hmm. everything that she makes on this album do you agree with that doug oh yeah yeah definitely there's um yeah yeah through the uh through the mixing and and the balance you know especially in the the stereophonic left right uh yeah there's definitely uh, uh a benefit to that um I, I don't know what you think, Michael, but I, you know, just box straight, especially just the harp support stuff or the, the clav uh, stuff. It just mm-hmm. sounds so sterile, you know, because it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, past the technical achievement that it takes to just play something like that. It, I've always just found it kind of, yeah, okay, it's, it's kind of delicate and, and, and uh, you know, it's not really what you might like to see or hear nowadays at least as far as those solo instruments go yeah Yeah. i mean i think most most people that i studied piano with like we would always we would always add more musicality to it i mean i think i i only studied uh so the listeners if you're not familiar uh js bach had two 
volumes called the well temple well-tempered clavier which basically each edition features 24 songs that are preludes and fugues in every single key that an instrument can go in there's a whole explanation for why it's called the well-tempered clavier but we're not going to go into it now because it's like it's like ap level like sound stuff but um but i mean like i remember when I would sort of, I, my teacher had me buy the whole book and I'm like, are we going to go through all of these? And she's like, no, only some, only some of them are good. And I was like, Oh, okay. Hot, hot take. Uh, but, but I mean, there, there are some pieces you can almost, you can almost feel like he wishes that the instrument could do more. Cause some of them had, some of them have more, um, I don't know, more variation, more excitement, more, more chance for different voices to, to sing out. And I mean, that's, yeah. that's something that, I mean, maybe in some ways, because of the way that she recorded this album, it made it easier for her to accentuate those voices. That might be the only thing that was easier about recording Bach is that you could record each voice separately instead of trying to do all five of them with your two hands. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right. I mean, it blends itself to that type of approach that she had to take, I think. And I think it, you know, it, it definitely pays off. I, w- I wanted to ask a little bit, I want to uh, poke you both guys, poke both of you guys a little bit on the experience of listening to, listening to the, you know, out and out, you know, kind of like classically performed version of this versus, versus the Carlos version. What do you think? Is it an equivalent experience to you, I guess, in terms of listening to classical music? just done in different ways or is it a different experience entirely uh, if you want me to go first oh yeah, yeah I, please i i actually um i don't find bach on the chamber music or the chamber period instruments to be that interesting to me um it, yeah it's okay and and i do like a lot of classical music i think in the classical realm i'm more of the uh, romantic period beethoven type mm-hmm. stuff I, I do like the Bach organ stuff, you know, Toccata and Fugue, D minor, you know, the classic, uh, yeah, two two thousand one Space Odyssey type, you know, that's where that came from. Uh, you know, some something that's a little big, heavier, richer. Yeah, I, I think I like that stuff in its in its you know original instrumentation. But I, I find I just find this this much more appealing to me. Um, yeah. you know, the electronics version. Is it because of the? Is it because of what it took to execute it? You think is it is it an intellectual? Is it an intellectual stimulation that it uh, that it or is it more of like oral? Um, it's more orally stimulating for you, like the actual voices that you're hearing. I I'd say it's probably seventy percent one way, thirty the other. I I think sure. yeah, the the technical aspect of it, uh, the richness, uh, the more modern, uh, you know, they're actually very modern approach and sound to it i think that that appealed to me michael what about you for you is this like is this equivalent to going to the symphony uh in some ways or is it equivalent to listening to you know more classically recorded album because for me for me i'm trying to discern that for myself i mean there's a, a few things i will say you know first of all i have to say I was a little triggered listening to Bach and remembering having to like <laughs> rehearse these songs. Sure. Um, so there's that. But I mean, I grew up playing classical music in all forms. I mean, part of studying piano was that you had to, you know, you had to learn some Baroque pieces, some classical pieces, some romantic pieces, and some contemporary or modern pieces or whatever they call the contemporary musical era. I'm not even sure what it is. Um, no idea. For me, uh, Doug, you said something earlier about how uh the album kind of felt almost like a novelty to you yes and i think that that's or to your dad to his dad or to to your dad yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i think that i mean for me that it it actually kind of feels like that to me because i i i do enjoy if i hear a bach piece depending on what it is uh i you know it's i it's musically pleasing to me i will say that it it does one of the questions i was going to have for you doug was you know when 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 do you listen to this album now because for me it it, it does just feel like it's it's a novelty thing that you play for someone or that you use to great effect or you use like ironically in a piece of theater or something like that i don't Mm -hmm. know that i would necessarily you know blare it out of my car speakers or anything like that yeah i yeah i think you're right and uh you know honestly i'd say it's it's probably not more than once a year that I might listen to this or one of the other uh, you know variations on it. I mean these days. Um, mm-hmm. uh, back in back in the day, I think uh, you know through I, I probably listened to it a 
couple times a week through through my high school years. Um, you know, I yeah. and I, I think this this LP that I've got, this one is actually my father's that he had. Awesome. I don't think I bought this one myself, but um, yeah, I, I would listen to it, it frequently. And uh, interesting, I, I think Michael, you probably you probably felt a lot about it, or I think my father and you would probably agree a hundred percent in. Uh, is one of the one of the little anecdotes about it is is that after I assembled a collection of these electronically recorded or like these synthesized uh, classical pieces, I made my father a mixtape um, uh, for Father's Day because you know because a I was cheap or something didn't want to buy me but I, cheeky I, cheeky I, I like it <laughs> I I you know I I just took the tunes that I thought were my favorites off of like five or six different albums I, and put it on cassette I think I even called it uh, classitronic hits for dad you know and I was like dad you can listen to this on your way to work in the morning and and I you know I think he just went mm, okay that's nice thanks. And I pretty sure it didn't get played in his car at all. Oh, hell. You get 999 points for that, though. So for Classitronic hits for dad, <laughs> at least you get that. Yeah, it's it's funny, the things you remember. But um, yeah, I I think he yeah, yeah, he he definitely was old school. He he liked the he likes the, the favorites, the, you know, the traditional stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that, that was it. As an engine for innovation, I feel like this is a really like a really interesting case study, right? Because you, you see somebody who is like developing this technology from scratch, essentially, and f- through like pure, just kind of like inspiration and and using using the vernacular, using like an agreed upon, agreed upon uh, respected vernacular to demonstrate its power. I think like that is such a powerful thing about this album that I, that was, I, I think it takes it beyond novelty, really, right? Because you... Um, it's novelty when you first hear it, but then when you when you understand the context, it really the you know groundbreaking that word has been thrown around a lot. And but I think you were right to use that that word because there is a lot of power in you know using new technology to translate something new, and then it opens you up to more possibility if you can do the classic stuff with your new you know in your new way. Yeah, no, that I think you're exactly right. It, it, it's it's like it you know back at the time. It, you know, and I think this is true with technology of all kinds, even today, is that it's impossible to foresee. I mean, people may try, but it's possible to predict mm-hmm. what, if anything, is going to evolve out of it. And, uh, right. you know, there were probably there were probably people that thought that this wasn't going to go anywhere, especially if they thought they were going to get Wendy Carlos to sit down on a concert stage with this thing and play and play Bach, you know, one note at a time. I, I, <laughs> right. But apparently she did do some concerts that I, I was reading. That with the St. Louis Symphony, right? With the St. Louis Symphony, yes. And I, I was like, man, I got to get a hold of that review to see what the heck exactly <laughs> yeah. did she do? But a- anyways, you know, but so who could foresee the impact that this would have, say, in rock right. music? Because mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the rock people picked up on it pretty quick. Because it, it gave them uh, a new outlet, you know, beyond the electric guitar. You know, there yeah. certainly, you know, you had Hendrix out there doing all kinds of distortion things with the guitar, but there wasn't really anybody doing anything with the keyboard. You know, you, you had your electric, you had your Fender Rhodes, maybe you had your Hammond B3, maybe the thing called the Mellotron, which is another whole, you know, little gizmo. Um, the great names, just like uh, across the board, all of them have amazing names. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, but now the synthesizer comes along, and then when Moog came out with the Mini Moog, that really enhanced the portability of it. It was still one note at a time, but it allowed the keyboard guy or gal to kind of come out of the shadows yeah. and uh, and really kind of blow people's mind. There's a there's one more track you gave us, uh, which is a one of the movements. Well, you suggested all, uh, but we can't obviously play all of it. But uh, maybe we can listen to a little bit from one movement of the Brandenburg Concerto, and you can tell us a little bit about uh, yes. why that's another standout track for you. So let's listen for a second.
All right, so this one is a, a bigger piece, bigger orchestration. Uh, there's more pieces involved, more instruments that, that is. And it's, it's a, a, a great bouncy tune. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can almost picture like the, uh, the uh, Baroque era, um, people with their powdered wigs and their big uh, puffy uh, dresses and stuff doing their, their little, uh, you know, dances in the, oh, yeah. in the grand hall, yeah. you know, whatever they're all called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it's a uh, bunch of freaks. It's, it's just hey. got, Hey, Hey, it, 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 I, a good, know, good, good freaks. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you shame those Baroque dancers. I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying <laughs> I, I like freaks. Freaks, they were freaks only their, are allowed here. Getting their freak on. I think. They were, <laughs> they were Brandenburg style, baby. There, there, there's a, a total of six Brandenburg concerti. Um, and what is this? This is number two. Number um, uh, three. Or number three. Actually. Yeah, three. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's I, I, I love the orchestrations of it and the way that, that she introduces more sounds. Um, very unique sounds on things to give them their own voice that, that comes through pretty clear. And and what's what's interesting, I think, that comes out and it and maybe it does or doesn't come out that much on say a regular traditional orchestration but the, again the, the looking at the what's going on in the bass line and the bass instruments um, right. there's some there's some wonderful counterpoint in there that you know these these guys are sawing away on their basses and they you know and then they they bring them up to complement or kind of take over the melody from the higher pitched uh, register instruments uh, it's just there's just this constant kind of mix going on this back and forth kind of trading between who's going to take the lead. Yeah. Um, and, and you can hear that quite clearly in, in the, in the recording that uh, it's quite nice, but it's a, yeah, like I said, it's a kind of a energetic bouncy uh, kind of tune. Um, uh, just, you know, very spirited, uh, you know, not unlike the first track. Spirited and, uh, is right. Spirited is a good word for the whole thing. I would say mm -hmm. there's, there's yeah. a ver a verve to it. I, I gave you 300 points for concerti by the way. And, um, <laughs> and I'm also going to give you, I'm also going to give you nine, I'm going to give you 9,999 points for uh, talking about the clarity of the album and the production in the production overall, because I do think that that is a, is a, a real strength of this. And what honestly sets it apart from a lot of classical music recordings that I listen to, you know, on the radio or, you know, when you, when you just pick up a random classical uh, classical recording is there's, I think, and I think they even Wendy sort of that was one of her guideposts. Uh, is she said she wanted it to be as clear as possible, not this kind of fuzzy quality to the audio that she had, was experiencing in a lot of other recordings of Bach. So um, you get a whole yeah. bunch of points for making that point so clearly, and thank you, Wendy, for doing that for us. Maybe we should talk about perfection then, because I feel like that is I feel like we've we've talked a lot about how this is groundbreaking, how this had never been done before. But now, what made you choose this as a perfect album? What rubric were you grading this album against when you presented us presented it to us? I had a lot to pick from, right? Um, you did. Um, I'm not going to say I have more albums than anybody else, and actually, I probably don't have as many as a lot of people. But you know, I've listened to a lot of stuff. There, there's a lot of things, a lot of things I tossed around in my mind that uh, you know, should I get invited by you guys? You know, what what would I cover? And this one, you know, wasn't the first thing that popped. Steely Dan might have been the first thing that popped sure. into my head. But, With good cause. But let's not uh, let's not beat that horse. Um, <laughs> we'll but, allow uh, it. We'll allow it. <laughs> Sustained. But, you know, I I started. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, pushed on Bach, and you know, thinking about the uh, the all the downstream effects over mm -hmm. the years of of that technology, and then the the whole. Um, uh, transgender nature of of Wendy um, that that whole story I found kind of compelling that you know it, it's it's not necessarily what the music's about but it it still resonates today as a as a topic what I found interesting in the uh, in the Playboy uh, interview which she did in 1979 which we we all read in 1979 because a, we were in college, and B, uh, most college guys were reading Playboy in 1979. Sure. Yeah, right or wrong. 
You're just buying uh, it for the articles. We know. Uh, the yeah. article. And Compelling. God damn it. Yeah. Here was an article that was worth <laughs> reading. You're damn right. <laughs> and it was, you know, something that I knew about. Yeah, you know, so, uh, yeah, it was just, it just struck me just reading that interview and, and it, reading it back, uh, you know, recently that the, the struggles we face are still the same struggles that people face today. But even the terminology she uses, and these are things I just, you know, maybe I'm just oblivious to, but, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that she did say in the interview that she didn't like the term transsexual, she would rather use transgender. And I mean, right. that is, that is what's being, that, that's what's used today. Um, now, 1979 was that kind of earth spattering. I, I, you know, probably, um, we, we didn't make a big deal, but I mean, remember it was newsworthy, but I just don't remember like people going out and burning their Switchdown Bach albums uh, yeah. because they found out about this or boycotting Columbia records. I mean, can you believe people yeah. would even consider doing that? Uh, it, it, so it, it's just how, it, you know, you may think of the seventies or this, those, that, you know, 40 plus years ago or 50 years ago as being, being backwards. But, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, we were talking about some advanced things and, 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 and nowadays we're kind of uh, regressing to a large extent in that in yeah. that realm. But it yeah, it, it was just kind of a interesting parallels with, uh, you know, what's going on today in a lot of places. Um, Absolutely. We'll link to and, that. Um, we'll link to that Playboy article. And there's no pictures. There, there's, there's no pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know that she, well, I mean, from what I had read, so I, I started going to her website, which, who boy. It's like Interesting, I will, right? Yeah, I will say, I mean, first of all, it does sort of feel like, you know, a GeoCities built uh, website. <laughs> but also, I mean, she writes a lot. And I know yeah. from reading that, like, she was she was a little miffed by the, the Playboy interview because she was, she had stressed to them she wanted to talk about the music right and uh not as much about the fact that she was transgender um but also recently someone wrote a biography of her and she is not a fan of that at all it was unauthorized oh. biography no oh, i did not i did not know that oh. she's got some i think it came out in like 2020 am i right about that tyler did you see that sounds that? right yeah i did see yeah that. and and she it's like recent. she like there's like a screed, if I'm using that word correctly, on her website. Wow. Where she talks okay. about talks about people writing about her when they don't know anything. I mean, this is like you know, the, I think the Playboy article, like she's had has gotten over, but like more recently, there's there's when when people write about her, she's she she wants to you know rightfully so. I feel like she wants to be in in control of her own story. It seems like mm-hmm. yeah, I can't yeah. blame her for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, Mr. Morrell, I'm working on this. I'm working on this thesis. Um, I'm working on it, and we we don't need to go. We don't need to go too deep on this because I think this is sort of a macro, you know, a macro thing about this project that Michael and I are doing with this podcast. But I think one of the things I see that keeps coming up, right, is is more often than not when somebody has an album that they feel strongly enough to present as a perfect album, it's because of the whole package, right? It's because of the time in their life in which they encountered it it's because of the music itself it's because of the profile of the artist and what that artist meant sort of like in an identity way to whoever we're talking to and to me it all feels like myth making right like the like what happens around this album or whatever album we're talking about it's like a myth is created a legend almost that that is greater than the sum of its parts and this is a very i think this is a strong this is a strong uh supporting document for this thesis that i'm working on this particular album and your particular particular connection with it i also do just want to say it's very it's very gratifying for me having grown up with andrew your son uh and knowing the kind of music that he was listening to when we were in high school you know like he was listening to Aphex Twin and a lot of ambient music that I had no idea about, but bands and artists that clearly shared a lot of connective tissue, a lot of DNA from the Wendy Carloses of the world, the kind of bands that you were listening to. So um, it's cool that this is a family podcast and that it's a family (laughs) affair. (laughs) Um, I get to see, I get to see how that manifested in the kind of music that Andrew was listening to and thusly the kind of music that, um, that I was exposed to too, because um, a lot of those bands um, I pulled down from you, you know, Stanley Clark and yeah. uh, Pat Metheny. I would have never known those bands if it weren't for you and Andrew. So uh, 
you loom large in my musical history, Mr. Uh, Morell. I well, appreciate I'm, it. I'm 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 honored. Um, <laughs> I mean, we used to uh, back at the old college dorm. Uh, I I found uh, I, after several years, I finally connected with a like-minded roommate, you know, who was you know interested in music, and of course, yeah. we, so we had all kinds of musical posters and stuff uh, on the walls. But yeah, we would hold what would amount to like a uh, music education uh, sessions in the in the little dorm room. We yeah. like like uh, come on in here. We're gonna we're gonna play some of this Stanley Clark. Or we're gonna play some Chick Corea. Uh, introduce you to stuff. You know, put down the totally put down the REO speed wagon for twenty minutes if you yeah. Could. Good <laughs> God, just, please put it down longer. <laughs> the, the Kansas and the sticks. I mean, all right. Yeah. Uh, you, you know those two. Here, listen to something different. Different. Listen to some real musicians. This has a little fiber in it. You know, this has some nutritional right. value. <laughs> that, that's right. Uh, we could go on. We could go on forever, Mr. Morell. Truly, oh, yeah, I and know. I like. And talk. we will when I'm home for Thanksgiving. We'll 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 have cocktails. It is that time to go to the board and see how you did making your case for the perfection of Switched On Bach. I think you did pretty well. I'm gonna go through your points that I gave you from the most recent. To um to the beginning, I gave you two thousand. I gave actually um two thousand points in the favor of Michael for using the word screed correctly. So well done, Michael. <laughs> that added that added to the case. Nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine points for uh, this repeating theme of the clarity of the production um, on the album and just of the all of the voices present on this album. It really adds something special that you don't get from a lot of classical music recordings. Um, Three hundred points for the correct use of the word concerti, Mr. Morell. Well done. Nine hundred ninety. Oh, Nine hundred ninety-nine points for uh, classitronic hits for Dad, even if it was <laughs> never listened to. I'm glad you gave it to him. Hey, you got 999 points out of it, so there's your reward. 6,000 points for us being fellow euphonium aficionados. There you go. Und- underrated part of the band structure, and um, and honestly, not that hard to play either, which was a, which uh, was it worked in its favor. 1,500 points for being present and in the the midst of that musical hotbed in Georgia during your college years. That's a that's a pretty special time to have been there. 7,000 points, speaking of which, for sticking to your principles and giving the big old F.U. to R.E.M. and their boring-ass name. 3,000 points to Amanda Morrell for giving you the Moog calendar in 2020, or I guess it would have been 2019, Christmas of 2019. Uh, excellent gift-giving prowess, Amanda. And uh, 900 points for your piano t- teacher quitting on you, and that being one of the best days of your childhood. Who knows what doors it unlocked for you? You, you If you would have been wasting your time playing piano, you wouldn't. Who knows what you wouldn't have done? Maybe I Uh, would have got better. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Add all that to the A- minus that you gave Michael for his valiant, valiant 60-second intro effort uh, on Wendy Carlos and Switched on Bach. This is looking like a pretty strong board to me. And we've we've been so anticipating this day. I think you did a great job, Mr. Morell. But I leave it to Michael. Michael, you're the you're the final say here. You've heard about the points on the board. You heard Mr. Morell's argument. Tell me, is Switched on Bach by Wendy Carlos a perfect album? Does it go to 11? Even though it definitely did trigger me a little bit from all those uh, rehe- all the times I spent rehearsing my my own prelude and fugue from the well-tempered clavier, I will say that yes, indeed, Mr. M, <laughs> Wendy Carlos' Switched on Bach goes to 11. It's a perfect album. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there's much rejoicing over here. <laughs> Isn't there? Good. You guys keep it down, would you? Yeah. But, uh, we will. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, triggering aside. Um, and and, and uh, Tyler, how many possible points are, are there? Uh, is, is there a. Uh, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You ever see Whose Lines It Anyway? Yeah. Yeah. The, the points are all made up, and, and it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, it's right, about, it's, right. it's it's more as the kids would say we're going on vibes that's what we're yeah, going you on. know but see, I, i'm a i'm an engineer by training I, you know i know I, you are you know i need to i need to add but that's okay. that's okay i you know what i'll give you a total i'll send you a total and we will post your total on social media so that everyone can see just how many points you got oh well, that's all right we need but, new <laughs> social media content so this is helpful for us actually I, yeah, as long as you have a, a good, tote board you know where do i bit. rank with uh, some of your other guests especially my son someday um, i will go back and i will i will go through all the points and i will make that happen yeah, there you go and <laughs> and michael your use of the word screed yeah that's a great word but and 
you'd have to then you got to read the Pat Metheny screed about Kenny G and see if Ooh. that how that Ooh. holds up to uh, that's got to be a screed. Oh, it's a, it's a, it is a screed of all screeds. That's uh... <laughs> uh, quick quick aside before we bring this to a close. I'm pretty sure that one of the times that I saw Whitney Houston in concert, Kenny G was her opening act. Yeah, yeah. We won't hold it against her. Yeah, I Just mean, sell tickets. Yeah, she was she was dealing with a lot. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> truly. Well, well, yeah, Mister, I... it's it's really been a pleasure having you. You are uh, you are always welcome back on on this on this pod, and and I, I can think of many uh, many artists that we might need to might need to have you back on for. Not not the least of which might be the Dan someday. <laughs> Well, we're not going to have a we're not going to play out today on a track um, due to fair use fair yeah. use regulations uh, and respecting Wendy Carlos's autonomy as an artist. But well, yeah. uh, thanks so much for thanks so much for coming, Mister M. Michael, I love you, buddy. Love and, you too. Yeah. And thanks, uh, thanks, thanks guys. Really, I had fun. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks everybody, and we will see you next week. Bye. All right.